1: Oh my God, Julie, it happened. It actually happened. We had what? literally thousands of realtors who actually prospected over the weekend and took oh, thousands that. and thousands yes. of... Yes, that's right. They actually realized that what we were telling oh. them about last weekend being such an exceptional weekend to prospect, and of course this week, so don't use it as an excuse not to prospect this week, for expireds in particular, in virtually every market in the country, was a huge success, and uh, yeah, guess what, guys? So proud of them. Now, so excited for yeah, them. Yeah, me me too. I mean, the, everywhere we're turning, we're hearing people say, wow, this was a great weekend. I'm so glad You know, I actually did this. First time I've ever done it, or maybe they've been doing it consistently and they just decided to take it to the next level, and you guys now are starting to build or uh, take your momentum to the next level for the rest of the year. So, now here's the panic mode. Ready, Julie? Oh, my God, I took the listing. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> now what do I do? Oh, my God. Pray to the real I estate have... gods
2: that sells instantaneously. No, that's not an actual I'm... plan. I just read I I had that.
1: Right. I mean, but the funny thing is, is that our real estate coaches, of course, are top producing realtors themselves. They know exactly what to do, but we are sort of having, uh, Julie and I were having earlier today with several of our coaches that we're having interesting conversations where, so many of you who have been, you know, you've been you know, humping along and doing it like say 15 to 20 deals for a while, and half of which were buyers, half of which were sellers. And let's be honest, most of it came from centers of influence and past clients. And now you're realizing that take your business to the next level. You have to employ a lot of the things that we teach you guys to do. Um, and now it's working. And now you're realizing, oh my gosh, I actually have a real business that's producing consistent income. So what today's call is all about is giving you a specific blow-by-blow checklist of what you're supposed to be doing um, to really meet or exceed the expectations of your sellers. And your clients in general, really, I mean, this information works for both uh, buyers and sellers, obviously. But the main thing is, is a lot of you now are in a, I think, a panic mode. You're not, you know, you have more listings you've ever had before, or maybe you have a listing you've never taken one before. Regardless of where you are in the spectrum of success, congratulations, right? At least you're making the right Indeed. moves. You're building the momentum. Some of you are still in the analogy is, uh, you know, there's different stages of flight. There's the loading of the plane. There's the, you know, the throttling down of the plane for the plane to actually get off the runway. And then there's as the plane, you know, clears the end of the runway and starts to build momentum that's at cruising altitude. Um, and then ideally in your real estate business, there's never a landing. You just decide to go to a different height you know, a different level. That's great. Um, You know, but the the fact is, is the throttling down, the getting the plane off the runway, fighting the forces of your own gravity, that's where we come in. And that's what real estate coaching is all about. So if there's anything we can be doing for you guys, remember, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. So we've got, how many points today, Julie? Nine points. Mm -hmm. We'll probably get through, I don't know, half of them. Um, without any further delay, Julie, managing the expectations of your listing clients, point number one, Miss Julie Harris. Yes, otherwise known as the results of your great prospecting. So now
2: what do you do? Managing the expectations of listing clients specifically. Point number one, as always, is a mindset check. Check your mindset. What are your expectations of the relationship you have with your seller clients? are you playing dodge them all the time? Do you feel like you're playing whack-a-mole with their calls, okay? Or do you embrace that relationship and look at them as somebody who is going to be firmly in your past client center of influence list for a long time, a client for life? So what are your expectations of the listing of the relationship? How long do you actually expect the uh, marketing time to be? And is that based on reality? What do you expect for offers, for price? How does the condition stack up? What are your expectations before we talk about managing the expectations of your clients? Does that make sense, Tim? Starting with yourself, right?
1: Of course, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, so check your mindset. So point number two, the best cure to managing your listings is to price them right in the first place. This will cause them to sell faster. You'll either get multiple offers or one great acceptable offer right off the bat. So this is one way to avoid what you guys love to avoid anyway—price reductions, price reduction scripts, those uncomfortable conversations where you're feeling like you've got to talk them into something. So we'll talk about price reductions on a future radio show because well, Julie, get do you mind if we share? That. Do we? Yeah, go ahead. So
1: let's give them some updated vernacular. Just as a quick aside, guys, and mm-hmm. Julie's gonna get to point sure. number three. So um, never tell a seller that they're overpriced. Overpriced uh, is. Nails on a chalkboard. To anybody. It would be to you. If you had a house for sale, anything for sale, and someone told you it was overpriced, do you want to hear that? Of course not. So don't say overpriced. Just tell the seller, when they're overpriced, of course, that they're ahead of the market. Mr. Seller, you're just ahead of the market, right? So that's a much friendlier way of telling them something they don't want to hear. Never say, lower your price. Lower's the other one. Lowering price. Oh, my gosh. Nobody wants to hear that. Agents don't even want to say it. So here's the... That's exactly stress inducing for everybody. Um the sellers will pick up the stress in your voice when you tell them it's overpriced. You're worried that they're going to accuse you of overpricing it. You're worried that they're going to fall back and say, "Well, what else have you done for me lately to get the property sold? Why aren't you doing all these seventeen million useless things? You know ads and brochures and open houses and you know whatever to get the house sold, in other words, the seller opposed to actually accepting the reality that their house is overpriced, they want to blame you. All of us have been in that situation before who are listing agents. And those very questions, thoughts were the the, uh, things that kept some of you from wanting to really stretch your wings and become listing agents in the first place. So never say overpriced, just say you're ahead of the market. Never say lower your price, say, Mr. Seller, we have to reposition the house on the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectations. Mr. Seller, I'll say it again, we have to reposition your house on the market so that we correctly reflect the market's expectations. Sounds a heck of a lot nicer than lower your price. Those are just two of the many, many scripts that we give you guys when it comes to dealing with sellers because really at the end of the day, every single conversation you have with a seller every single time is going to be a mirror of a conversation that you just had with another seller or a mirror of a conversation you'll have with a seller tomorrow. In other words, they always say the same thing, have the same expectations, the same hopes, fears, and dreams. So use the scripts so that you don't have to be uncomfortable when you're conversing with these guys. Point number three, Julie. All
2: right, point number three. If you are in a seller's market with multiple offers and overbidding, as some of you are, and keep in mind, too, that just because that was your previous experience on the last listing, that is not necessarily a universal fact. It depends on the neighborhood, the price range, et cetera. Some of you are in a, <clears throat> excuse me, seller's market if it's a certain price range and down, and a buyer's market once you cross a threshold going up. Not unusual. So this means you got to know your numbers. If you're in a seller's market though, with multiple offers, or that's something that you're expecting based on market trends and the neighborhood stats, you must have a conversation with your homeowner about the possibility of appraisal issues. I'm hearing about this more and more every week on coaching calls. This way, your sellers can decide ahead of time what they will do if it occurs, having the appraisal issue, versus having a panic attack when it occurs, right? So this is about future pacing, the expectations of your sellers. It's kind of, I always use the analogy, Tim, you know, 20 years ago when we used to fly, there were not uh, predictive things where, we, where the pilot would know about the uh, turbulence, right? So it would just surprise everybody and you'd, you'd freak out because you didn't see it coming, versus now when the pilot comes on and says, you know, the plane in front of us that's headed the same direction has reported turbulence over the next 15 minutes or so, so strap yourselves in and we'll try and find some uh, clear air, right? So then when you feel the turbulence, you are kind of mentally prepared for it. It's no big deal. In fact, you're calmly drinking your coffee. So for sellers, if you call them out of the blue after they've just had a celebratory week and gone shopping because they got 5 10 15 in some markets you know 40 grand more than they thought and then you call them saying guess what we have an appraisal issue you're only going to be able to take this you're going to have a freak out on your hands versus yes. mr and mrs seller we've achieved a price that's never happened in this neighborhood and gosh i sure hope that we're able to close at this price but there's a possibility that we're gonna hear back from the appraiser. Can I talk to you a little bit about that so that we're not surprised if we cross that bridge? Now you're in a position, if you don't have an appraisal problem, to be the hero. This is great, let's celebrate together. We made it through the appraisal. And if you do have an appraisal problem, the uh, sellers now have had a chance to think about if they only had to sell it for the highest comp and there's a $20,000 difference, well, what does that do to their plans? If you don't have that conversation, you know what their plans are? To get into your pocket to make up the problem, right? Almost every time. Well, can't you chip in? Because that's their natural reaction to a surprise. Just like when there's turbulence on the plane, your natural reaction is to be a little bit more unglued if you didn't know it was coming.
1: That's right. So I mean, have that conversation. Manage the expectations. You're, yeah. you're bringing up something else that's really important. It's the whole fact that, you know, you guys that are have your acts together and you're using your pre-listing pack – our, you know, copywritten, exclusive pre-listing package, coaching clients, you know what I'm talking about, 18 pages, and it's essentially designed to answer all the seller's potential questions before the seller, in many cases, even thinks to ask, ask them, thus reducing the stress to the, list, the listing appointment, thus making it so you take more listings, um, you know, easily and effortlessly and quickly, certainly. Listing presentation, the same thing. So everything that we've given you is designed to make it so you're managing the seller's expectations, you're answering their questions before they even think to ask them. And a lot of the things that happen in a sell in a listing in the listing process while you have the house for sale and you're closing it that blow up, that result in you reaching your own pocket are because you didn't head off, Julie's example being a great one with the appraisal issue, you didn't head off the problem before it actually happened. Whereas if you'd use our checklist and you're going through the possible scenarios with the seller of things that might happen. Um, they're not surprised when they happen because you've warned them. And then in those particular scenarios, they're less likely to make you the, uh, the villain. So when they ask you to cut your commission, what they're really doing is I am surprised and I'm angry and you're going to pay for my negative emotion. That's what's actually happening. Very rarely does it really have anything to do with money. It's them essentially fining you for not having done your job in the first place. That's how to think about it anytime you have to cut your commission. Yes, sometimes it happens to get a deal together, but the mindset should be that you fight for your commission because after all, that's what you pay your bills with. That's what you feed your family with. That's what you build your future around. So, Jules, what's the next point?
2: Yeah, well, I like how you put that. Not getting in front of the problem is basically you creating your own punishment by having to chip in to save the deal. So that's a little accountability there. I think I'm going to use that on coaching calls. I like the uh, punishment for not managing your seller's expectations. It's going to cost you money. So number four, always give your sellers choices. This is a really important coaching concept here. Always give your sellers choices when you're negotiating. Now you can be negotiating over home inspections, negotiating over what price they're going to take in the first place, negotiating over other things that come up in the transaction, but give them choices. No one likes to be preached to or dictated to. You can do A, B, or C, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, which is best for you. So for example, we can let this buyer walk over the inspection issue or the price issue, whatever the case may be. We can give them what they want, or we can try and meet them somewhere in the middle, which is best for you. This works because it keeps them feeling like them being the homeowner, keeps your homeowner feeling like they're in control. When you give somebody choices, they're the one steering the ship. Now, you can dictate what the choices are, which really means that you're dictating, but it's how you go about it that matters. When do sellers come unglued on you? When they feel like they're out of control. So give them the sense of control by saying, we can do A, B, or C, which is best for you. And Tim, I'm sure you can think of many scenarios where that can be applied, not just with sellers, but that's what the call is about, also with buyers with many different types of negotiation. Well, actually,
1: Julie, you you touched on something, and I'm going to highlight something you used to do in our real estate business, you know, we sold thousands and thousands of homes. And Julie, on our listings, obviously, and oftentimes on the buyer sides as well, would be the one negotiating the unsatisfactory conditions. And so, Julie, this is not part of our notes today, but it's kind of advanced coaching, and I think we should share it with all of our listeners. Um, A lot of the ways that agents handle unsatisfactory conditions will result in the deal just dying because they don't Mm -hmm. know how to, again, manage the seller's expectations. And having, you know, learned the hard way, over the years, you devised this very efficient system for getting unsatisfactory conditions resolved to everyone's satisfaction, with virtually with like uh, virtually no effort, I have to say, and <laughs> with a hell of a lot less stress to everyone concerned. So, you can, you mind walking them through? I mean, let's just tell them exactly what you did, opposed to what normal agents do, just so we can sure. give them the most information the quickest. Okay.
2: Right. So the answer is, don't do anything that's going to kill your own deal. We're not going to just walk away. We're not going to stick to our guns. Your job is to get the deal done. And if that means you have to have a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of discomfort yourself, well, that just means you're doing your job.
1: Well, but you so you send things- over the unsatisfactory yeah. conditions report to the seller as it was presented, and you yeah. wouldn't offer opinion pay- on it.
2: That's right, and that's critical, right? So well, so we well, had a little step yeah. before that, which was what to expect from your home inspection, pre-setting right. them to expect, hey, if it's safety and security, we're probably going to have to deal with it. So they have some time to think about it and to get some stuff fixed that, of course, every it, it, well, seller again, so knows th- what is fixed.
1: Since this call today is about, radio shows about expectations, mm-hmm. you would tell them that. That was part of coaching clients yep. to pay attention. That is page, I don't even remember what, of the Complete Home Selling Guide 32, I think, that's part of the listing presentation. This is all part of Real Estate Coaching Essentials. So one of the things is specifically, again, telling the seller ahead of time that in the process, there's probably going to be some unsatisfactory conditions. This is all in writing. It's part of the little booklet you give them when you take the listing. And, you know, it, here's what's probably going to happen. If it's safety and security items, we're absolutely obligated to fit, uh, fix it. If it's cosmetic items, then those things are hypothetically negotiable. And then when the unsatisfactory – and you guys know as well as I do in most markets – agents use the uh, home inspection report to open up the transaction again and negotiate the transaction. That's what a lot of times happens. And some of you guys get so pissed off about that. Well, that's not fair. We already negotiated the price. Well, but, yeah, the buyers didn't know the house was built on an Indian ground or the house didn't, you know, they didn't know that there was mold in the basement. So let's just keep it real here. If it wasn't on the home inspection report and they found it in the home inspection, then, yeah, the buyers didn't know. So this is something the sellers are going to have to either remedy for these buyers are the next buyers, and chances are the That's next right. buyers are going to pay less. So, Julie, when we get an unsatisfactory conditions report in, your step-by-step process of how you would handle what yeah. the seller was—it's actually far easier than how most agents behave. By the way, you simply get
2: the—I used to call it the list of demands—from the buyer right after the home inspection, and you just send it over, email or call them ahead of time, saying, "I'm sending over the inspection report and the request to the seller." To right. the seller, and then you don't say anything. You don't say, "Oh my God, I know it's awful," right? <laughs> I don't know, oh why? You know, you you don't have the panic attack for them in anticipation. You just do nothing. You send it to them. You wait a couple of hours. Maybe they get home from work, take a look at it, print it off, read it, talk about it with their spouse, and then you just call and say, "What are your thoughts on this?" Okay. And the That's crazy it. thing that happens, it's so funny. They half the time way more than how we used to do it, which was, you know, the ordinary agent way, you know, my gosh, I know this is a big report, and you get into the drama. The amazing thing was, at least 50% of the time, the seller would say, yeah, we kind of figured, and we'll take care of all that. It's, you know, we want them to be happy with the house, and we'll get working on that. Do you know a roofer for us to call to get that fixed? And it's fine. It's low drama. They knew about it. They're going to take care of it. And the other... The other thing that would happen to him, which I it was crazy, is they would say, well, yeah, but they didn't find out about the dot, 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 right? And then I would say, you know, you have to disclose that. If you're disclosing it to me, you need to disclose it to them. So sometimes they actually are relieved that it wasn't worse, where your initial reaction, mostly because you have to deal with it at all and you didn't feel like dealing with it, of course, because whoever does, you know, your initial reaction is, you know, this is going to be full of drama, when in fact... They pretty much saw it coming, and they're happy to take care of it. Now, on well, the off chance the that that doesn't happen, because you do have some, of course, you have some kickback. Then you negotiate it. But you were not part of the drama, is the point.
1: Well, it's the drama, right? That's what agents will often bring. And again, this is setting the seller's expectation. If your expectation, Mr. Seller, was that there's going to be some unsatisfactory conditions, then you know you're not. They're not going to be surprised or angry or try to get you to pay for their. You know, neglectful care of their own home because you told them ahead of time this was probably coming their way. Now, something else that you, a lot of our upper end agents, we always have them, or properties where the agent is a little bit uh, nervous about the condition of the property. This is a great idea, too. Now, we're talking about home inspections, but again, this all goes back to meeting or exceeding the expectations of your sellers in particular. So, if you come up against a weird property, and you will, um, and the seller and you are not on the same page, and the sellers decide they want to list it with you, but there's you know, so you've you've gotten the commitment out of them, but we're to the point where we're really trying to put the right price on it. And uh, th- there are no comps it, you know it has you know, all those types of scenarios. A lot of you guys work in subdivision areas where, It's one of 17 models and does it have the bonus room or does it have the third garage? You know, those types of things. So those are easier to comp. We have those of you who uh, work in Manhattan and all the other, you know, condo dense areas like downtown LA and all that. Those are a lot easier to comp. But if you're living in any kind of rural area or you guys know what I'm talking about. So what you do is you offer the seller uh, to have the house appraised. That's it. And tell the seller that they can choose the appraisal. And the way to really make it so you don't get stuck in case they actually take you up on it is say, you pay it, and I'll reimburse you at closing for the appraisal. So in other words, the seller is going to front the cost for the appraisal, but at closing, you'll pay for it. Now, here's what happens. I, Julie, I don't remember, honestly, of all the times we listed properties where we had to pay, uh, play that. And then normally it normally was a really upper-end uh, listing where the seller had unrealistic expectations. I don't remember a single seller taking us up on that. Do you? No no but it's,
2: yeah it shows professionalism to offer that possibility right. and i think it shows confidence in your own pricing so
1: well and if and they so, do great so, more
2: power to them that's fine
1: right well but they won't because they don't want to pay for it and then what happens is they end up pricing it where you ask them to price it and here's another thing if you come up against some of these properties that you know they're neglected they're needing a whole bunch of work and you're just fearful of the ramifications of the home inspection. And maybe the seller's got their head buried in the sand. All these types of things are normal when dealing with sellers, dealing with buyers, really anything. Um, have the house pre-inspected. So there's another idea. Have the house inspected ahead of time. That way, it, maybe this is a good idea too if the property is something that they inherited that they're not familiar with and you walk through it and you realize there's a bunch of work that's needed, maybe this out-of-state relative um, doesn't really know anything about real estate, housing, and condition and whatnot, have the place inspected. Again, allow the seller to choose their own inspector so they're not blaming you for bias or accusing you of bias or accusing you of choosing someone that would have bias, rather. And then have the place pre-inspected, and that becomes the seller's list of things to do Prior to putting the house for sale, or you price it accordingly given the repairs that are needed. Most home inspectors will put numbers by what their, uh, you know, their suggested improvements are to the property. You guys get all this. So these are ways again to head off these big deal blowing up, you know, problems that so many of you have on the seller side. You're taking care of the seller's expectation as far as market positioning, you know, price and condition. Um, so there you go. I mean, those are all little high-level ideas that all of you should be employing, or at the very least, remember, so that when you're up against these challenges, you can employ them. So, Jules, what's the next point? All
2: right, and just note to self, because I know that I have my coaching clients that are in crazy hot areas like San Francisco, parts of Seattle, other parts of California, et cetera, that are like, you know, they're saying, but coach, my buyers don't even get to have inspections anymore. What are you talking about? Well, guess what? Your market's not always going to be like that, and it's not going to be like that in every neighborhood and in every price range. So we do coaching calls like this so that you'll know exactly what to do and exactly how to do it when your next deal sounds just like we're talking about. And You go, gosh, thank goodness I took notes on that. Thank goodness I listened to that radio show two or three times instead of saying, oh my gosh, I've never gone through this before. What do I do? So that's just for our little super ultra-hot market people. All right. So point number five, if you are in a market where your listings do not sell right away, make the commitment to speaking with all of your sellers weekly on the same day. Tell them that you're going to be doing so so that you can update them specifically with feedback, showing activity, recently sold properties, and the new competition. So that's a standard seller call, when the listing is active, you've got probably normal showing activity. By the way, NAR says, quote, normal showing activity is about two showings per week on a typical home. Some of you guys have far more than that. Some of you have really incredible open houses. Just depends on what the house and what the market is. But if you are in a market where your listings or you have a particular listing that's not selling right away, your job is to talk to that seller every single week. Do not hide out from them. I hear a lot on coaching calls, Tim, and I'm sure you hear this too. The reason that some agents don't call their sellers regularly is because they just don't know what to say. So
1: what do you say? Let's preface this. Feedback. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's preface this. This is delegatable. This particular task, you can delegate. It is. This is not something that you as an agent have to do. Some of you are going to take, and some of you have taken, so many listings that the idea of having to you know, call all your sellers every Friday, which is typically the best day to do it, because um, you know, everyone's in a more relaxed mood, frankly. And you guys know Mondays, generally people have more stress on Mondays. But on Fridays, they're more relaxed and looking forward to the weekends. Um, so have your – when you are you know, getting to the point where you have a staff, listen to our, yes, our call yesterday on building your team – but uh, yeah, you can delegate it. And what Julia was touching on is you can use services like HomeFeedback.com, which is great. You know, just Google it, HomeFeedback.com, and it's an electronic way to uh, elicit feedback on your showings with your co-op showings. That's really a fantastic tool because oftentimes the uh, co-op agents, you know, the agents showing your listings, will be overly honest in the feedback reports that will make it back to the That's seller. Great which is great because, you know, you've been trying to tell the seller over and over again that, you know, the mob appliances in the kitchen that they could all have replaced for like 3500 grand $5, or whatever, you know, that there uh, are a distraction to getting the house sold. And then, you know, the feedback comes back that it looks like, you know, 1985 wants its appliances back. Well, that's going to make its way to the seller's head. And sometimes it's funny. Sellers will listen to the advice of a stranger more than they will, will from you. These are all just the strange little relationships that we develop with sellers along the way as they learn to trust us and we, and we build credibility with them because, you know, you've got to prove yourself and you haven't proven yourself to your seller until you've actually gotten the house sold. Along the way, especially if you're using the easy exit listing, you really are reapplying for the job every single day. And another thing that's nice, by the way, getting back to the point about uh, doing weekly uh, checkup calls is it does give you the ability to um, ask for referrals or have your assistant ask for referrals. We had... Kelly, that would do our weekly feedback calls. And actually, Janet would do them as well. And one of the things that we integrated into the scripts that they used, because they wouldn't be calling them, just saying the same thing every week, we gave them a series of scripts to use. In Real Estate Coaching essential, students, we're updating those right now. They're going to be on the website, scribe, por favor, uh, Mrs. Harris.
2: Yep, <laughs> right? you got it.
1: And so, yep. so then what we would do is they'd call and they'd get price changes. So it would be essentially every two weeks or 10 showings, the script is very simple. I just spoke with Tim and we looked at the showing activity. It's been two weeks or 10 showing since our last, uh, next price adjustment. And Tim and Julie suggest we reposition the house on the market from this to that. And you know how much resistance most times uh, we'd get back from a seller when, doing, when the assistant would do the price change uh, request? Virtually None the price yeah, but, Jen, i got to jump in
2: here. That, o- that only happens when they had regular communication. You cannot just expect to call your sellers out of the blue or hire some virtual assistant someplace far, far away and say, here's my list of listings. Call them here and there, talk to them, give them an update, and then ask for a price reduction. That's not what we're That's talking right. about. This takes scripts. It takes regular communication, building some rapport, build their trust up. Then when you go for that price reduction, they say, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing. Instead of, why is it the only time I ever hear from you or your people is when you want a price reduction out of me. That's recipe for a cancellation right there. So be careful you know, not other thing, to take our coaching to the extreme. Do it with skill. Go ahead.
1: The other thing that happens is, especially if they're listing, expired listings, which a lot of them are right now, and you guys are using our communications guarantee, which is part of the pre listing pack, make sure you're yep. using that, that they are setting a very, you know, they're in the communications guarantee, it's saying exactly what you'll do uh, how exactly you'll communicate with the seller while the property is listed, while the property is under contract, and after closing. You better be following that because trust me when I tell you, especially if they're an expired yeah. listing, uh, one of the biggest complaints, and you guys know this, that they had about their previous old expired agent was that they were really piss poor at communication. Well, one of your USPs, unique selling propositions, was your communications guarantee. Make sure you stick to it or they will hold it against you and you will get fired. Okay? This, we made this system... Really simple. and If you follow exactly what we say, exactly how we do it, yeah, you can change it a little bit. Add some of your own scripts and your own vernacular and your own style. That's perfectly fine. You know, We ask you to internalize and then personalize the material that we give you, but certainly don't change it. Stick with the very architecture of the system because it works really well. Um, but when you do, you'll get consistent results. again julie was mentioning earlier some of you guys are blessed with these markets where stuff sells itself well as that market starts to adjust which it probably realistically will this year you're going to see the days in the market start to change and if you're not letting the sellers know on your friday calls that the market's starting to adjust their expectations are going to be unrealistic they're going to be based on historical days in the market so if 30 days ago 60 days ago when they listed it with you the average days in the market was say 60 days And you're not closing with them now because more inventories come for sale. Now the realistic days in the market is 120 days, but you haven't told them, you will get fired. Or at the very least, they're going to be very resentful because they feel like you've done a poor job, where the reality of it is, is you have done a poor job because you've not communicated with them. So, Jules, I think we're going to end here and we'll pick up where we left off tomorrow. Anything else you'd like to say to these guys? Well, I think they should take each and every
2: point and say, you know, if you're doing a really great job, and many of you are doing a great job with some of these things, say, you know what? I have it going on there. I'm going to continue to always do that. But if you have something where you go, you know what? I, I really do hide out from my listings because I haven't known what to mm. say. i got to get in front of that because... You know, some of my stuff's not going right away. And, and that has a caveat to it, too, right? So in some markets, sellers think 10 days on the market is the end of the world because last time they sold, it took 22 seconds, or their neighbor's house sold with, you know, 14 offers. In other markets, you're pretty safe for the first 30 days or so, but it, pretty much like clockwork, you make it 30 days and you haven't sold that. Seller's seller is definitely wondering what you've done for them lately.
1: So oh, it's it. impossible to, inter- to
2: overcommunicate. Go ahead.
1: So, Jules, I need to interject. Um, such great feedback on com. I mean, that was the, one of the Definitely. tools that we told all of you guys to employ when going after the expireds, especially after last weekend, but certainly for the rest of your career. So thank you uh, to the folks at MojoSells for making uh, helping all of our great clients and our listeners have such great success hunting expired listings. I don't know if you guys are listening, but if you are, thank you very much for that. Um, and also, if there's anything we can be doing for you to – Continue your uh, help you continue your fantastic year ever, make it the best year ever. For those of you who are having a delayed start to the year, uh, if we can help you, that'd be great. Request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com, freecoachingcallsforagents.com. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow.